Welcome to Career Combat with your host, Kelly Combat. Get ready to learn how to navigate the career battlefield and achieve a flawless victory. Now, here is Kelly. Well, welcome, welcome, and welcome one more time. This is Career Combat. My name is Kelly Combat. This is episode number 16, sweet 16, and oh, how sweet it is, right? Well, I want to just welcome you to our show because if you are new, let me just share with you how it works. We are on the Empowerment Channel, and on the Empowerment Channel, this is Career Combat, so we talk about all things careers. Sometimes we laser focus in on a particular subject like I got the job. Now what? And then sometimes we have illuminating guests. And today is no different. My name again is Kelly Combat. And if you're just meeting me for the first time, I use she, her pronouns. And our whole point of today, I have the pleasure of introducing all of you, my guests, to special guest Joshua Steinfeld. Joshua is a coach. He's a podcaster. His podcast is called The Courageous Life. He's all about mindfulness, meditation. He's an instructor. He's a purveyor of positive psychology. And let me just take you back in time and tell you a little story about how I met Joshua. So Joshua worked at a company called Better Up, and he managed a lot of our coaching experience. For us coaches, he was everything in terms of helping us with all kinds of learning and experiences. And I mean, I I learned so much from Joshua. And as a matter of fact, it's a very little known thing that when Joshua was was holding space for us as coaches and providing some of the best training that I ever received in my life, I stumbled across his podcast, again, called The Courageous Life. And when I stumbled across it, I, I, I was just so enamored from his piece, from the way that he was really coming across on, on the air. You know, you know, I always love podcasts because they do feel like the theater of life, you know, it's like this <laughs> this unknown thing. You feel like you're friends with this person. And I believe that we should give flowers to those who inspire us. And Joshua is the main reason that I was motivated to start a podcast. It's absolutely true. And I believe that what Joshua puts out in the world is a game changer, full stop. So kudos to you, Joshua. And without further ado, Joshua Steinfeld. Kelly, I'm so happy to be here with you. I gotta, I gotta first say thank you, number one, for the generous intro, uh, but also for inviting me to the show. And I just want to take a moment as well to acknowledge your work. You know, this whole topic about career, I feel like, is just such an important topic at at different times in our lives, and the fact that you're putting this out there and inviting this conversation and doing so in service of others. Um, that's just an awesome thing. So thank you for your work and, and for the invitation today. Ah, thank you so much for that. Uh, and I, I know for those of you who've listened before to other episodes, uh, just as, as we've done before, 
I have not provided Joshua any advanced questions, no padding. Uh, it's, an authentic, <laughs> it's an authentic, a truly authentic conversation filled with so much trust and so much respect. So Joshua, the first question that I have for you is just simply tell us about you. Yeah, I, I think I could share in this way. I love what you just said about authentic conversations. And since we're talking about career, I think that's one way I really think about so much of the work that I do. Um, I actually began my career as a health coach and it was 2008. I graduated college. I got a call from a friend and they said I was having a hard time finding a job because uh, it was just the, the housing crash and all of that. And the economy was in recession and all of it. So she calls and she says, Hey, there's this job. It's called a health coach. And I'm like, what's a health coach? You know, I hadn't heard of it before. <laughs> and she says, well, you get to use your psychology degree. And I know you have a background in physical fitness and all of that. And mm -hmm. you can help people work on their goals. And so I applied long story short, got the job. And what I discovered was that coaching this conversation I was having 13 times a day at the time, all over the phone, um, was an authentic conversation. And that's how my career began, just talking to people about what really matters to them. Like, what do they care about? How do they want to live their life? What are challenges they're facing? And just getting real about them yes. and really listening to them. And so engaging in these authentic conversations. And then, you know, that's kind of morphed into different things over time. Uh, but I just have a passion for that. And, and that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast was to really see if I could kind of scale and elevate these authentic conversations. Um, and so exactly. I'm deeply interested in that. And I'm happy that, uh, that we're having an authentic conversation right now. It's fun. It is. It is indeed. And one thing I, I like to think about throughout all of 2023, uh, I have a mentor and her name is Coach Willa, <laughs> Willa Edgerton Chisler. And she has held forums, Joshua, you know, in terms of uh, that one word. What is that one word? That one word that you're going to be centered around within a full year. So I'd love to ask you, what is one word to describe 2023 for you? You know, it's funny because I know that they have, you know, that's, I know there's a practice for a lot of people. Sometimes it's done yes. in corporations, businesses, et cetera. What's your word? And I always had a little bit of an aversion to the practice. I found it at one level to be a little bit cheesy myself. And then my <laughs> wife, and then my wife and I, funny how things work out. My yeah. wife and I were having a conversation at the end of last year, like December 31st. Okay. And that was the question, like, okay, acknowledging the maybe cheesiness of this or whatever it is, like, if you were to have a word, what would it be? And mine was healthy. I really nice. wanted to get healthy because I think without health, we don't have anything. And I was at a point in my life where, you know, I was having some challenges um, and, and that's been my focus all year, getting physically healthy, getting firing on all cylinders mentally. Yes. And, uh, and I'm feeling great, you know, and I, I found that there's a real power in that practice of the one word. Uh, really for me, it's about an intention, you know, coming back to an intention, having like a, a North Star to work toward over time. And that's been just a, a guide this year. And it's really been transformative. 
That's such a great word, healthy, because I could imagine that that would really incorporate every single part of your life. It could be uh, self-health, uh, it could be financial, it could be just that protection of peace. Uh, and so what a what a perfect word. For me, it was green. Uh, I, I had a lot of jokes where people were saying, oh, like Kelly Green. I'm like, no. <laughs> it, was more, it, was, it was, yes, it was about the color, uh, but it was really more of a symbol of green means go. Like, just do it, just move forward, just try it out. Even if it's uncomfortable, just do it. Hmm. I love that. I really love that. I think, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why you're here with this podcast. Yes. And so that's right. I'm, I'm glad you said, let's go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because within 2023 was when I launched the podcast and that was part of the green. So yes, indeed. So my next question is, what is the common theme that common denominator because you you do so much work so many different kinds of things out here in the world what's that common theme with all of the work that you do yeah i think it's a i think that's a great question thank you for asking that i think i think about two questions that i'm really interested in so okay. the first question is what does it mean to live well right and that to me is a very personal question and it's a deep question. Mm. It's kind of one of those questions that can be a companion as we move through our lives, the different seasons of life, the different phases of life, and can kind of use it as a guide to come back to what does it mean to live well? What does it mean to work well? What does it mean to be well? You know, these this type of thing. So that's an inquiry for me that I bring along with me and I've been really interested in exploring in lots of different ways. Okay. Right. So that's kind of one question. And the other is, you know, I had a mentor in graduate school and he once shared the story with me, which is he's a researcher. And, and so he looks a lot at, you know, the science and the research of, of living well and happiness. And he said, at the end of every day, we do this scan and it's a lot of times unconscious but if you, at the end of your day, if you scan back on the day, the moments that so often people tend to be most proud of or that were most meaningful in their day, the moments that really mattered are mm -hmm. often the times where we get outside of our metaphorical comfort zone, right? Nice. Where we pushed ourselves in some way, like you were talking about. And so there's this relationship between getting outside of our comfort zone, being courageous, and living well or living a life that we feel matters or is meaningful. And so for me, the second question is, how can I find the courage to do so, right? So what does it mean to live well? How can I find the courage to do so? And those being kind of deep questions that I really center so much of my work around. Thank you for sharing that with so much candor. Uh, and I love those two questions because I could imagine that driving every decision that you make in your career. You know, it's a lot. It's it's a lot of decisions. Yeah, I think it's a filter for yes. how I design different learning experiences, what I think about in my coaching work. It's the topic of the podcast, obviously. Um, and I a lot of what I think about, too, is being of service. You know, mm -hmm. I really look at myself as someone who's in this kind of caring economy or pro providing services that are hopefully helpful, useful to people to 
live well to live maybe just a little bit better right um and so i think that yeah i I think those questions inform so much of what i'm trying to put out in the world and and doing so in a way where i can hopefully be of service going back joshua to when you were studying at university Mm-hmm. in terms of psychology and all of that, what drove you towards psychology and understanding what motivates people? Yeah. Can I say failure? Oh, boy. <laughs> is that welcome on this podcast? <laughs> it is always welcome. We talk about failure all the time. <laughs> yeah. I went in, I had this dream of, if you look at professional athletics, you know, I was really into basketball growing up and I had this dream okay. of being a sports medicine doctor, like the trainer who's yes. with the team on the sidelines. And that was the dream. So I go in and I'm studying kinesiology and exercise science and all of it. And I'm in my basic, you know, kind of like pre-med track where you're taking organic chemistry and you're taking those types of classes. And I was just doing terribly. I was basically failing out of those classes. I, I couldn't hang. And so at some point, you know, I had to look at myself and say, okay, this, this really isn't working. So like, what are the options? Like, what's another alternative? And I was kind of struggling with that a bit. And then I sat down in like Psych 101. And uh, and I don't know if it was the professor. It may have been because she was extraordinary. She made the subject really, really interesting. Mm. And just gave these really um, incredible lectures. So that might have had something to do with it. I, I think it definitely did. But uh, I fell in love with the, you know, what makes people tick? Uh, what drives them? What are their motivations? And these topics we explore in psychology and uh, and then I just followed that interest, you know, and, and kind of kept kept following it and uh, and let go of what wasn't working, you know. So, and it takes a lot of letting go uh, about what's not working. Uh, I remember I had a cousin in college who went through some similar things, as did my brother, and finding that niche, finding that thing, either through failure or through happenstance or just from a, a professor who's amazing, who makes it easy to understand and 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 something that you want to wrap your world around, that's everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one thing for me too is, you know, when we think about these questions of like, or these um, kind of like if you're in, if you're graduating college and we hear these commencement speeches and there's this advice, like follow your passion. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and yeah. and it sounds like so easy or it sounds inspirational or whatever it might be. But I think if you look at the research on passion, one of the interesting things is they actually, when they study it, um, you see that passion is something that grows over time. It's so rare. And usually it takes roughly about three years for a passion to really grow into maturity. Oh, wow. And Yeah. And it's like, you know, a lot of times people think about passion at least people that I've talked to in, in my sphere, they think about it as like this kind of lightning bolt moment. Like, right. oh, one day I wake up and I know exactly what I want to do and exactly what I'm passionate about. And for some people, like a very small percentage, that might happen. But for a lot of people, it's like, yeah, I sat down in Psych 101. It was really interesting. And so I followed that interest and I signed up for another class. And then was that interesting? And this is how passions can kind of grow is, you follow that interest over time. So I think there's like that letting go and then being curious and allowing yourself to continue to just follow an interest and see 
like over time, if that passion may develop. And and that's kind of uh, been the case for me or what I found. You're right, Joshua. I think there are times where it does seem like people believe it's it's a lightning bolt. It, it's this like, ha, ah, like this moment <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> that it's, oh, this is my passion. Uh, however, it does sometimes take time and you just almost feel like this comfort, this warmth because of the 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 breadcrumbs, the the trail that you're following, whether it's class after class after class, or whether it's reflecting and looking back at those moments that meant more to you, and then putting those pieces together yourself and then saying, Yeah, I think that's my passion. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I do have another question that speaking of the what and the who, uh, you know, we just talked about what drove you uh, towards psychology. Mm-hmm. Who drove you to be inspired the most? So who in your life, it could be uh, it could be a celebrity. It could be somebody in history. It could be somebody who is a family member who inspired you the most in your career. Oh, that's such a hard question. <laughs> Thank you for asking that. I, You know, there's there's two there's like two things that come to mind. So one is I remember early, like right after I graduated college, I would often during my breaks at work, go to the park and I would read. And I remember there were two books. One was um, Nelson Mandela's long walk to freedom. Yes. I remember he has been such a huge inspiration. I know for millions and, and for me as well, and the type of person I would aspire to be some of the qualities that he demonstrated in his leadership. And another person uh, that I was reading about at the time was Viktor Frankl, and the book was Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. And, and his focus on, you know, kind of the mental game, like how we look at things really matters, and it can help us get through some of the hardest challenges and the darkest things we may face. And he was a concentration camp survivor. So yes, talk about yes. facing some of the hardest things that one may ever have to face. And, and he wrote all about that. So that was super inspiring. And then, you know, in a more kind of um, practical note, I'll just mention one other person. Uh, when I first got introduced to coaching, there was a woman named uh, Julie. And she was the head trainer. She had built out the coach training program within this organization I was working for. And she was like a masterful coach. And I remember the first time I met her, um, she said, how are you? And I had that knee-jerk response like, oh, I'm good. And she's like, no no, I really care. Like, how are you really doing? And that was my first kind of introduction. And that was just the way that she was this kind of deep, caring, kind of, I'm going to use the word loving presence, you know, showing up for people to invite authentic conversations. And she really was inspiring in so many ways, but also helped um, develop my love for coaching and these types of conversations. Oh, that's so beautiful. Uh, and, and every person that you mentioned, I'm just imagining the the insights that you were gaining from either the books or the documentaries or even just the presence, that powerful presence uh, from any one of those three. So thank you for sharing that very personal note. And we've been talking with Joshua Steinfeld, and we're about to take a break. So grab a snack, come on back and stay tuned. Thanks for listening.
Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? Career combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Before the break, we were talking with Joshua Steinfeld. This is a person who has such a great background, such a plethora of experiences in meditation and mindfulness. He's been a a college instructor, uh, lots of experience as a coach and positive psychology. And before the break, we were talking about things that have driven Joshua in his career. And now what I'd love to focus on is, my next question is, what did you have to unlearn, Joshua, in order to become an instructor? So what did you have to unlearn in order to facilitate and and work at universities as an instructor? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think, you know, like a lot of my training particularly early in education was about training for a test, right? Okay. Studying for the exam, memorizing whatever the answers may be or what's going to be on the test and that was just a lot of the experience. Mm. Uh, particularly in like middle school and high school and that sort of thing. So a lot of prep that way, even in college as well. And I think to become an instructor, one of the things, Kelly, and I know you're very familiar with this, is learning to draw out and invite people's experiences into a room yes, and then really use that to inform what you're teaching you know, what I'm teaching. And so one of the things that I love is this Socratic method, this use of inquiry to draw people's experiences and then use that to shape whatever we're talking about in that particular day with the hopes, again, of being really in service and creating something that's meaningful, valuable for the people in the room. And also, I focus a lot on being practical. Like, how can I take this and actually implement it, try it, experiment with it, 
in my life and maybe just live a little bit better. Mm. So that's kind of one of the pieces is like letting go of preparing for the exam and just focus on kind of rote information and more developing these qualities of asking questions, inviting conversation, and getting really good at listening, and then using the knowledge that I do have to kind of inform that conversation. I look at almost like weaving it in um, to create more of a, a rich, personalized experience for people that are in the room. Wow, you must have a lot of great, great feedback in terms of you know your courses and and what people are taking away with them. Probably lessons that they'll never forget in their lives. Well, I think you know it's like the people are so busy these days, and they take time. You know, I work with a lot of adult learners now. Yes. Um. So people are taking time to, and that's like that's no small thing you know? And so they're in the class. And it's like, I just think so much when I'm designing experiences, like about the people who are in the room and the fact that, oh my gosh, they took an hour out of their day. They took half an hour out of their day to be here. So yes. if, we're, if we're not talking about what's real for them, how this can be adapted to their life, their experience, et cetera. Um, from my view, it's the way I think about it, it's almost like doing a bit of a disservice in some way. Mm. Um, so I really want to honor, you know, the fact that people have taken the time and I'll just, you know, like for me, it's really interesting. Like it makes it so interesting. It's almost like this, I don't know what's going to show up. And I love that. It's kind of mm. like, I didn't know exactly how this conversation was going to go today. And I kind of yeah. love that. It's like... like <laughs> I'm a, you know, it's almost like improv. Like, here we go. It's like almost being like a jazz musician. Ah, uh, like, what a great, prepare, prepare, yeah. And then, and then here we go and we'll see how it goes. And you kind of just have to improv, you know, and, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it is a, a very much like jazz. I, I have a big back, back background in, in jazz as, as a radio announcer and uh, love, love, love the genre of, of jazz. And, and I think that's such a, a perfect, perfect analogy, especially since it is seven in the morning for you. <laughs> it is seven, almost 7.30 a.m. for you. And you are just on. So I have to acknowledge and, and show some honor to that. Well, I appreciate, you know, I think you're, you're helping to draw it out. So thank you for providing such a great, you know, being such a great host during this experience. Absolutely. My next question uh, has to do with coaching. Okay. When you think about all the, uh, the things that you have within your toolbox, your personal toolbox, what is your favorite asset that you have when it comes to coaching? Oh, yeah, that's a favorite asset. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like so much of the foundation of coaching is what we just talked about around questions and listening. Yes. So that's kind of one piece. But another thing I think a lot about personally when I coach is how, you know, there's this kind of, there's this question for me that actually comes from Viktor Frankl, which is about being responsive versus reactive in our lives. Mm. How do we come from a place of choice in moments that may be high stakes? high pressure, you know, where our body is activated and we're kind of ramped up, how are we able to regulate enough, just enough to be able to respond, right? Rather than react and say something, oh, I wish I hadn't said that, or I regret that, or whatever it is. So when I'm coaching, 
that's something I really think a lot about is kind of that sweet spot of developing these skills that allow us to be in that sweet spot where we can respond, come from a place of choice in the moments that matter to us, right? And so that's a lot of the the question and the skills that I focus on with people because I found that it's so helpful and it's so applicable, whether you're at work and you're in a meeting or an important presentation, whether you're in a conversation with a loved one and it's like, whoa, I'm charged. They just said yeah. something that triggered me, whether I'm having a conversation with someone I don't know, like whatever it is, being able to regulate, being able to stay in that kind of responsive zone um, is such an amazing life skill that allows me to show up in the world the way that I want to more of the time. So that's a big area of focus for me. Thank you for sharing. Uh, and going back to those early days when you were starting your business, what do you wish that you knew prior to starting your business? What do you wish you knew? <laughs> so many, so many things, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Yepper. <laughs> oh, man. Um I'm learning all the time. I will say that. I think working at a startup at BetterUp, you know, the journey there was so incredibly helpful. I was, you know, like you said, steeped in the coach community and the learning and development for coaches and all of that, which was just such a gift. But I think one of the things I learned so much and where I stretched so much was around the, I was on the operations team on the operations side of the business. And yes. so learning so many of, the operational skills, what does it take to actually make this work, to run the customer service elements of it, the behind the scenes technical elements of it, like all of that is are things that have been so useful. And so I don't know, it's something I, I wish I had known. It's almost like switching that up a little bit and saying, I'm so grateful that I learned those things because there is that whole operational side of the business. Yes. It, that keeps the lights on, that keeps things going. And those are really, really valuable skills to have and to continue to develop, even as a solopreneur. So, Yeah, and I can imagine that as you were launching and, and doing all the things within your business, I'm sure you've probably have had some coaching sessions that were probably more difficult than others. I know I've had that. <laughs> yeah, so sure. <laughs> so sure. what do you think, it, it, you know, take our listeners through the experience of a really difficult aspect of a coaching conversation. What makes one hard when it is a difficult coaching conversation? Yeah. I mean, I think to, you know, like coaching at the core again is about an authentic conversation. That's what I just yes. keep coming back to. And it's really a relationship so often. And so if I take it from that angle, or if you, you're out there, you're listening, you think about that, like a lot of the same challenges that may come up in a coaching conversation may be similar to the challenges that we face when we're just in an authentic conversation with someone that we care about. Yes. Like we're triggered. They say something and we're triggered. Maybe it's something about politics that they just bring up and it's like, whoa, they have a really different view than me. How do I handle that as a coach? How do I stay responsive, right? Or uh, another example that's really common is I'm just not connecting. I'm not connecting with this person. That's pretty like, common. Like we're missing each other here. And how do we navigate that? 
And I think, you know, if I was to come back to like one thing that's helpful through all of this, um, it's, and this may sound a little corny again, but learning to be a really good friend to yourself in this process. Because what I've found is like, if I go out there and I am coaching people, I will inevitably fail. I'm going to inevitably have times where I don't connect. I've had a lot of them. I'm going to have times where a coaching session didn't go well. I'm going to have times where I get feedback that's poor, you know, and, and maybe this is relatable, whatever profession you're in, we're going to have, if we're out there and we're trying and we're putting ourselves out there, we're outside our comfort zone, like probably going to stumble and fall. So how do you meet those moments? That's what I think about of the failures times. Oh, I wish I had done that differently. You know, and this quality of learning to be in your own corner for yourself, a better friend to yourself. For me, that's been such an important skill. It's allowed me to get back to learning more quickly. Like, what could I learn from this? And a really simple practice I love, which comes from the research on self-compassion, is just if you have a friend who is in the same situation that you're in, maybe they've just had a rupture in a relationship with somebody, um, what would you say to them? And how would you say it? Someone you Mm. really care about, like, how would you support them in the moment? And if you take a moment and you just think about that, and not only what the words you would say, but the tone you would use. And then once you have that, turning that back toward yourself, can I say this to myself in these moments? Can I meet myself in this way? And so, you know, that's, that for me is just such a critical piece of all of this type of work, no matter what work we're doing. Um, So yeah, I'll just put that out there. I love all of the things that you just mentioned for a variety of reasons. One, One of the things that pops out most for me is the fact that we all need to give ourselves grace. Yeah. Uh, You know, the, 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 the coaching is called a practice for a reason. The fact that you're going to fail, you're going to have chemistry that doesn't actually happen and that's okay uh you know one thing one thing's for certain i don't get my feelings hurt when somebody chooses uh another coach over me uh because at the end of the day i know i'm trying my best and i'm learning every single day and for for those of you who know i'm all about my acronyms (laughs) i love me some acronyms uh in in previous episodes i've talked about fail as an acronym finding answers in learning, finding answers in learning every single time and just giving ourselves grace. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't heard finding answers in learning. I've heard first attempt in learning. Oh, uh, I've I, never heard I, that one. I almost like the finding answers in learning better. Yeah. First attempt in, I have never heard that one. That's a good <laughs> one too. Yeah. Yeah. Finding answers in learning, It I, it's such a beautiful moment when that light bulb goes off for a coachee, for a client, uh, or or even in my work in DE&I, I, I find that when I share with them, listen, I, I don't know all the answers when it comes to DE&I. I don't know all the answers when it comes to being a coach. I mess up all the time, and that's okay. 
And when I share that with them, there's like this gate that opens because they expect, oh, Kelly, you have lived experience, so you must get it all right when it comes to DE&I or because of your background or experience. And no, it's not true. The, the fact that it's a practice and we're always learning every day, it's amazing that way. I, you know, I love that word and I love the word practice. I think that's just such a useful framing. And one of the things I think about, you know, I'll just relate this to meditation for just a moment. But in meditation, it's like you bring your attention to something, like let's say your breath. So I sit down, I bring my attention to my breath, and then I get distracted, right? And I probably get distracted a lot when I'm yes, sitting down. Yes, yes. And then it's like, oh, you know, there's that moment where you sort of wake up and you realize, whoa, I've been distracted for a while. Or, whoa, I kind of failed at the meditation. And then there's this, you know, return that happens, that that invitation to come back, to give it another try and to come back. In meditation, we talk about having an attitude of friendliness, you know, in the process, kindly coming back. And I love what you're saying. You know, I think I was just having a conversation with two um people that have done a lot of social change work on the podcast. And one is Rhonda McGee. She's a law professor at University of San Francisco, okay. a big, big name in the mindfulness world. And another is a, a teacher, a Buddhist teacher named Roshi Joan Halifax. Mm-hmm. And she has done tremendous work. And, and we're talking about how do I fight for causes that I care about from a place of love? And that was the theme of the conversation versus hate or, or that type of thing. And at one point, Rhonda says, you know, I think it's important to think about training for failure. And this might be a totally counterintuitive or countercultural piece. But that idea that when we do this type of work, as you're saying, Kelly, so beautifully, it's like, I'm going to fail. I'm going to disappoint somebody. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Right. You know, and like knowing that and getting ready for it, you know, and I think about coaching, same thing. I might piss somebody off. I might say the wrong thing. I might, you know, whatever it is. But knowing that and training for that, being ready for that, right? It's an inevitability. And that is a sort of preparedness, right? And then when it happens, like you're saying, I think the learning piece, and also for me, it's a, a big piece about the the kindness or the grace, as you mentioned. Yeah, and the fact that when you were mentioning earlier, Joshua, the meditation uh, you, you must be in my head because that was really what I wanted to also focus on is, is what's hard about that and describing from somebody who's had that much experience in this space of meditation, having all these courses and, and having so many students follow your words and follow your prompts to know that you have a difficult time as well. Wow. <laughs> I mean, wow, what, what, what a moment of, of, of vulnerability and validation, because I know when I host workshops and shows and such, and we go through uh, breathing exercises or, or mindfulness or meditation, mm-hmm. many times people are like, I, I, I feel like I failed. Uh, I couldn't concentrate. I was looking out the window. I was distracted. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, my response to that, I mean, my short response is, we're human. <laughs> like, of course, that's going to happen. Of course, we'll get distracted. And then the question is, when we do, when you wake up and you notice it, can you return? And that's the practice, returning again and again and again. And I continue to practice, right? So 
Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that, for naming that. Absolutely. And speaking of returning, <laughs> we're going to take a short little break, friends. So just hang on just for a few moments and we'll be right back with Joshua Steinfeld. Thanks for listening. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? Career combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, friends. And before the break, we were talking with Joshua Steinfeld. And wrapping up with Joshua, I thought it would be perfect to talk about the subject of mindfulness. It seems as though a lot of people are craving to understand this a lot more, Joshua. So if you could explain in a very simple way your own personal definition of what mindfulness is. Yeah, I love that. I think I think about two all three things really. So, I love this um I think the simplest way that I think about mindfulness is like if you're walking, you know you're walking. If you're reading, mm. you're comprehending what it is that you're reading. If you're eating, you know that you're eating. Right? You're actually tasting the food. If you're thinking, you know you're thinking. So that's one really, really simple way. And and another way to kind of help clarify that even further is, you know, have you had an experience where you're like reading a book and you turn a few pages and you have no idea what you just read? Right. And then you have to go back. I <laughs> got to go back. And right. Kind of yes. Like, you know, and so it's those moments, um, moments of mindfulness or moments where we're fully aware of what's happening here in the present moment. And so there's this quality of attention, bringing our full attention to what's happening, whether it's reading, like I mentioned, or whether it's you're paying attention to your breath, which is a very common 
place to begin okay. um, when we're cultivating mindfulness or sounds. I'm aware of the sounds in the environment. So that's kind of the piece. But there's the second piece that's really, really important when it comes to that. It's not just about bringing my full attention to something. It's the attitude in which I bring that attention. So when I think about mindfulness, there's these qualities of attitude of kindness, right? Versus like a self-criticism or judgment. There's kindness, there's an openness versus being closed off to something. You know, mindfulness is an invitation to be with whatever is here. And sometimes what's here is pleasant. And so bringing my full attention to it is enjoyable. Might be calming, it might bring me joy, it might bring me gratitude. Like, that's great. And then other times, what's here is really difficult. And so there's this kind of willingness, this attitude to be with whatever is here, just as it is. Not trying to change it, not trying to push it away, mm-hmm. anything like that, right? So there's this openness. And then there's um, a curiosity. Curiosity is this other piece where it's like there's this interest, really getting curious. As opposed to, again, kind of closed off and judgmental or assuming. Sure. You know, because each moment, and again, this might sound a little cliche, but like each moment, like this moment is new. And this moment is new. And this moment is new. And it's like, and this is the only moment we'll ever have. So from that angle, bringing this quality of curiosity to each moment, because each moment is new and fresh in its own way. So it's this attention plus these qualities of attitude applied to our present moment experience. I love that. And it it got me thinking about what people could possibly, possibly be craving during Mm -hmm. these difficult times. I mean, we talked earlier about meditation and now mindfulness. What do you think, in your opinion, Joshua, that people are craving during these difficult times? Yeah, I think... It's hard, you know, I I approach this question with a real sense of humility because to generalize what what other people are needing from my perspective is is pretty difficult. It is. No, I don't know other people's experiences. I can say so, you know, a few observations from my experience about things I'm noticing that might be helpful. One is, you know, really being listened to, feeling understood having someone who cares and is empathetic and compassionate for what you might be going through. You know, I haven't had experiences, I don't know about you, but I haven't had too many experiences where someone has listened to me really deeply. Mm. And that's been a bad experience. Mostly that is healing. You know, it is. If you're listened to. Listening to people. You know, I think this quality of listening, bearing witness to people's experiences giving them an opportunity to share their stories um, can also be healing, right? In this time, feeling held, you know, in this way, um, if that metaphor works for people. So I think that type of thing, um, being in these types of authentic, caring conversations, right, is a, is a really big deal. Um, I think slowing down, mm. you know, finding ways to slow down to find i mean there's so much uncertainty that's another thing that i see is like i mean the future by definition is uncertain but there's so much uncertainty and a, a really on a grand scale you know with climate change or whatever it might be like there's just so much precarity right now 
And so finding ways to find a sense of stability, of groundedness in your own life, um, I've seen be helpful in, in these moments because of just the nature of what's going on and the challenges we're facing in the world. Um, so those are a couple things that that I would name. And as part of that, one other thing is just, I think a lot about community, you know, and this ties into the first piece around caring relationships. And I guess the second piece too, community can be really supportive and grounding, but finding people uh, to surround yourself with, even if it's one person right, who really has your best interest in heart, that, that may be believing in you, caring about you, listening to you, having your back, you know, finding those types of people that when you leave a conversation, like I'll leave this one today, feeling elevated, you know, feeling good, feeling cared for, like feeling, you know, and that type of thing, I think in these times um, can be really helpful as well, that authentic connection. And speaking of authentic connection and community, You have created such a beautiful podcast, I have to say. I, you know, one one of the things that I ended up doing um, once, uh, you know, I wasn't in your trainings at Better Up any longer. Uh, I was really craving that peacefulness, the mindfulness that you were always creating. So I started listening to your podcast. I'd love for you to share with our listeners what your creative process is like. What's it like having such an authentic community? Yeah, thank you for asking that. You know, I, so I do long form interviews uh, for the most part. That's been a big part of the show for the past five years, similar to what you're doing here. And the way I do it is um, I pick out people that I have kind of picked out some authors who have been personal kind of heroes of mine. Mm. who I feel are putting out messages of compassion in the world or different, you know, things we've been talking about today that are helpful around living well. And the type of people who, from my experience of them, really bring a sense of heart to what they're doing, a sense of care, um, a sense of love. And and as I interview these people, my process is honestly a lot of prep. So I do a lot of prep. I'll read their books. I'll highlight them. I'll take notes and uh, get ready and then i'll craft an arc like with the beginning a middle and an end for the conversation and i like to pick out passages from their writing that you know language uh, that really speaks to me um, and use that to kind of bring in uh, into a conversation so there's a lot of preparation for it yes and then and then i as i get into the interview the day of it's like right about when I'm ready to get on, I take a few deep breaths and I do the best I can. And this is a practice again. That's right. To completely let go and to <laughs> yes. embrace that kind of jazz mentality of like, I've done all the prep with the intention of being able to really be with that person and to help elevate their messages, their story, to help them to shine, to explore the things that are interesting to them. And there's a level of depth that becomes possible with that type of preparation um, that wouldn't be otherwise. But, you know, we you had mentioned the words letting go earlier. And so there's this practice of like letting go and just being in the moment. And here we are. And it's an authentic conversation. And so I found that to be fun and also uh, really rewarding in that people have 
people who are being interviewed have enjoyed the conversations and people listening um, seems seem to really be enjoying them as well. So. Absolutely. 100%. When you think about any books or classes or, or really any other activities that you could recommend for our listeners, what would they be? Yeah, I love that. You know, I don't know why this popped into my head, but one of my favorite books ever when it comes to this topic of mindfulness is uh, a book called Into the Magic Shop. By Into Dr. the Magic Shop. Okay. Into the Magic Shop. And it's by Dr. James Doty. And he founded the Center for Compassion at Stanford University. He's got this storied background. He's a neurosurgeon. Uh, but he tells a story of growing up in poverty, and he tells a story of his parents um, and the volatility in his home, and then walking into this magic shop as a as a kid. And there was a woman in the magic shop who taught him these lessons, these practices in mindfulness and compassion that changed, transformed his life. And she believed in him. And so many things we've been talking about today, she encouraged him. Mm. Um, and that he tells that story. So I won't go into more detail. It's kind of a quick teaser, but he includes these kind of evidence-based practices that you can engage in the, the things that he learned. But the thing about this book to me too, why it's my favorite or one of my favorites is it reads almost like a movie. Like it's Ooh. so many nonfiction books are, you know, like, I don't know, they're, they're not, uh, written in that way. And this right. one is more like a movie. The story is just so engaging. It just draws you. I couldn't put it down. So if you're interested in meditation, um, or some of the themes we've been talking about today into the magic shop is a, a fantastic read. I am definitely going to check that out today. <laughs> <laughs> I love Recos. Thank you so much for that. And my last question, how can clients reach out to you, Joshua? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. So there's a couple of different things that I offer. Um, one is I have on the podcast, I've started a kind of sub-series called Practicing Courage. And we've been talking a lot about that word practice today, Kelly. Yes. So every week on Tuesday, I put out a new practice and I'll bring in snippets from the podcast and I'll craft kind of a nice 10 minute or less usually practice that's centered around these questions. How do I, what does it mean to live well? And how do I find the courage to do so? And a lot mm -hmm. of these practices are from mindfulness or compassion or positive psychology, things I've learned over the years. And if you want that in your inbox, you can, t I have a phone number that you can text the word courage to 805-430-6801. And, uh, and it'll ask you to, you know, like just confirm and you can opt out anytime. If you do that every week on Tuesday, uh, you'll get a new practice. And one last thing I'll share is uh, I just started a free meditation community. We'll meet twice a month. It's open to anyone any level, if you've never meditated before, or if you're a seasoned meditator, um, just head to joshuasteinfeld.com forward slash meditation, and you can sign up for free and we'll meet twice a month. I was so excited to see that announcement on LinkedIn. Ah, just so many flowers for you, Joshua. Joshua Steinfeld, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your background, everything, all the things that you were able to illuminate with us today. 
I appreciate you. Kelly, I'm so grateful. The feeling is mutual. Thank you so much for the invitation, for the generous hosting you did today. And and this is really just a lot of fun. It was just so much fun. Absolutely. Now, folks, next week, our episode will not be live because of the holiday. So enjoy your holiday season. And don't forget water and boundaries. Lots of water. (laughs) And make sure you have your boundaries. So no is a full sentence. So make every month November. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Career Combat with Kelly Combat. We hope we've given you the tools to navigate your career quandaries. Until we talk again next week, have a beautiful week. <laughs>